Hi, Crime Sound listeners. We're your hosts, Ashley and Ricky, and we're here today with another true crime episode that we both researched, put together, and hosted just for you. The information that we find is found in news articles, interviews, police documents, and recordings. We gather these things and put together a story. And also, who doesn't enjoy investigating a true crime every Wednesday as you're working, driving your commute? Well, that's where we come in. If you would like to help support Crime Salad, share our podcast with a friend and give us a five-star review on iTunes or any platform you listen to podcasts on. For tens of millions of people around the world using Tinder today, what are the chances you're actually talking to someone who seems like the perfect match, but whose intentions may not be the same as yours? Sadly, it's cases like Sydney's that happen when you least expect And although this case seems very strange, it actually gets even more strange as we get a little deeper into the details. So in November of 2017, Sydney was last seen on her Snapchat story wearing a white Columbia fleece jacket with the cream colored lace top. This photo included text that said, ready for my date, along with a heart eyed emoji. Sydney was young and beautiful, working as a cashier at Menard's, a home improvement store. She was jumping through life's obstacles as she was dealing with depression and financial issues. Her mom was very supportive and felt Sydney could do better than this, so she encouraged her to get a better job, thinking that would help with the struggle she faced as a young adult. She was a typical 24-year-old living in Lincoln, Nebraska, casually browsing on a social dating app called Tinder, as she was doing her daily swipes to hopefully get a match. On November 11, 2017, she matched with a girl named Audrey, and they soon made plans to hang out three days later. On the night of November 14th, Audrey picked her up, and they drove around town smoking marijuana until Sydney was dropped off later that night because she had to work in the morning, but planned to hang out again later the next day. On November 15th, after work, she went home, got dressed, getting ready for the second date, Her mom saw the photo she posted on Snapchat and texted her, surprised, saying, You didn't tell me you had a date? Not thinking much of it, but Cindy never replied. Hours went by, and the next day came. Her friends, who were also her co-workers, noticed Sydney never showed up for work that morning, which never happened. So they called her phone, but it never rang. It just went straight to voicemail thinking, okay, either it was shut off or she's in trouble. They knew she went on that date with that girl the night before, but haven't heard from her since. Some would say they were overreacting, but her friends knew her very well and they had a gut feeling that something wasn't right. Something had to be wrong. They told her parents and they decided to drive to her apartment to see if she was there, see if she was okay. Maybe she slept in. When they walk inside the quiet apartment, it appeared she never came home that night. They saw her car was left in her parking spot and her cat named Mimsy was left without food and water, which her parents knew this was a definite red flag because her cat was her everything. This is when they decided to contact the police to report Sydney is missing. 
Who she went on a date with the night before was the big question. But their main concern was, where was Sydney and is she okay? Two of Sydney's friends were already on the search to find her, using the internet as a digital crime scene and retracing Sydney's steps online. A friend of Sydney's was texting her about the upcoming date, sending her pictures of what the girl looked like, and talked about how excited she was to meet this girl. So she already had an idea of who Sydney was with that night. She saw the picture of her date and still has it on her phone, and remembered that her name was Audrey, and her two friends thought of a way to track down this person the same way Sydney did. It was a long shot, but they had to give it a try. So the two created a fake Tinder account to see if they could match with the same girl Sydney did. As they weeded through the profiles, being careful not to pass up their target, they finally landed on Audrey, age 25, showing she was about 32 miles away, and the photo matched the same Tinder profile Sydney showed her. She swiped right, and sure enough, it was a match. Her friend began to message her, lightly flirting with the girl, being careful not to scare her away, but keep her interested. After a few messages, she gently asked her for her phone number, and she got it. This was creative thinking on their part, and when police searched the number, it appeared to be a fake number from a free texting app, but it so happened to match to a real number. After police searched the number through their cell phone technology, a girl was linked to this number by the name of Bailey Boswell. On November 18th, police were able to find where Bailey was living using electronic evidence based off the last ping from her phone, which brought them to a house in Wilbur, Nebraska. Police knocked on the front door to a woman by the name of Jennifer who owned the property along with her husband, but rented out the basement to two individuals, Aubrey Trail and Bailey Boswell, who were a couple. When police asked if they noticed anything out of the normal in the last few days, Jennifer said two days ago she smelled large amounts of bleach all over her property, but other than that, nothing seemed too out of the ordinary during the days Sydney was missing. In fact, they never even heard a sound. However, what they soon would learn about the couple living in their basement would shock them. Police were looking for Sydney, but came across the girl she went on a date with named Bailey, and this guy, who was this guy she was with? And what was he doing with Bailey? He was older at the age of 51, where Bailey was only 23. The police searched the house and didn't come across any sign of Sydney, but found smear marks on the walls from cleaning and bottles of recently used bleach containers. The living space was said to be somewhat normal, normally decorated with flowers, pictures hanging on the walls, and other random decorations. They also found numerous sex toys, fuzzy handcuffs, and other restraints in the bedroom. Multiple law enforcement agencies searched the apartment several times in the days after Loof went missing, hoping to find some DNA evidence, but they never did. Audrey and Bailey were now considered persons of interest in the disappearance of Sydney Loof. The two claimed that they had nothing to do with her disappearance. They even went out of their way to make videos claiming their innocence to the public. The videos were posted on a Facebook page that was created to help find Sydney. In one of those videos, Aubrey was talking a while showing only part of his head, 
as Bailey is seen wearing big sunglasses as if they wanted to keep their identity hidden. But all this really did was make investigators more suspicious of these two. And who goes to this extreme to claim their innocence on Facebook? I mean, you have to know how this makes you look. Aubrey even goes to the extreme to call himself a thief and a crook, but not a killer. And Bailey goes in detail about how sweet Sydney was, and she hopes she is found safe. I remember when we first came across these videos, we didn't know anything about the case, and we already thought these guys were guilty of something. Yeah, I know, right? And the way that they kept themselves hidden in the video and what Bailey was wearing just didn't seem right. Yeah, I know. The whole thing was just really shady. A few days after Sydney's disappearance, Aubrey and Bailey were arrested. But they were arrested for something that was completely unrelated to the disappearance case. And actually for defrauding two people out of more than $400,000 in cash and property. By persuading them to jointly purchase a rare gold coin and promising to resell it for more than it's worth. The plan was to split the earnings from the sale between everyone involved, so Aubrey collected the money up front to cover the expenses and to purchase the coin. Soon the two victims found out that there was no rare coin, and they were being taken advantage of, and this whole thing was a scam. And as this happened, more and more mysterious stuff kept coming to the surface, but they still continued as the persons of interest in Sydney's disappearance case. So these two had a bit of a weird background, and we couldn't help but share. Before Sydney went missing, there were three women who provided information on what they experienced under Aubrey's control. They were all in their early 20s and met Bailey the same way Sydney did on Tinder, then eventually meeting Aubrey. They explained that Aubrey identified himself as a flying, mind-reading vampire with a coven of a dozen witches, and Bailey was their queen witch. We're going to take a quick break here to tell you about BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online service that I personally use for my mental health. They provide a number of professional licensed counselors who specialize in all situations that may be interfering with your happiness. It's seriously my personal outlet to get my mind right. It's affordable. It's so convenient. I decided to give BetterHelp a shot when I was going through a very anxious part of my life. So I just signed up and I was matched with an amazing counselor who was so willing to talk with me right away. We actually set up a video chat later in the week to catch up. We are all so busy. Give yourself the care that you need today. Start living a happier life. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash crime salad. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash crime salad. He claimed the witches would gain their powers by killing people or what would be referred to by Aubrey as taking their first soul. Yeah, so you heard that right pretty creepy stuff. Would you believe anything this guy says at this point? Aubrey started this cult and somehow convinced three young women to join, but told them that they wouldn't receive their powers until they killed someone first, which is just so messed up. What a fantasy of Aubrey's. The women were supported by Aubrey financially, but they also had to follow a number of rules where they're not allowed to be with another man 
They have to ask permission to do anything, and they have to check in every three hours through text or a phone call. This is one of the strangest things I've ever heard. I've heard of sugar daddy relationships, but the bizarre witchcraft fantasy stuff is a bit extreme. With talks and plans to torture and kill other women? I don't know. One of the women even said they all went to a local Walmart planning to kill a certain woman, but never went through with it. When these things were getting a little bit too weird, and no longer just a weird fantasy of Aubrey's, the three girls ended the dark relationship, and when they did, they were threatened to be killed if they said anything, as well as their family. And just a side note about this weird witch cult of Aubrey's, during a police search, there was a list of 12 or 13 women named inside of a purse. Listed next to each of their names was their supposed magic specialty, including healer, sea danger, and fire. Could these have been the next victims written out on this list? And as the search continues for Sydney by foot, surrounding Clay County area in Nebraska, they came across pieces of her cut-up driver's license and a few shattered pieces of her phone in a ditch along Nebraska Highway 41. Teams and volunteers were covering the area while police looked into any clues that could help bring them closer to finding Sydney, and followed up on all tips that came into the tip hotline that was set up just for Sydney. Police say her phone last pinged in Wilbur before it was powered off, so maybe this could be a helpful tip to where the search crews can start looking. A more thorough investigation was initiated searching her phone records. Police were looking for things like who she was talking to, and most importantly, the location of her phone during the night that she went missing. Police were also able to access her Tinder account, where they found messages between her and Bailey, who were suspiciously posting as Audrey. One message that was released is downright chilling. Sydney said in a message, It's just going to be me and you, right? And Bailey responded, yes, of course, lol. I almost get the feeling when you're watching a scary movie and you're yelling at the TV for the person to not go in the room or just to turn around, but they don't. This was all a trap for this poor innocent girl. And maybe this was Sydney's initial gut feeling, like she was second guessing the date or, you know, feeling something was off, but she went anyways. This immediately told police that Sydney had no idea who these two people were. Aubrey, Bailey, and Sydney's phone location was pinged throughout their movements throughout the case. And what they find is basically a digital trail of evidence. Starting on November 14th, police tracked the locations of the cell phone pings, and it shows both Bailey and Aubrey were traveling from their home in Wilbur to Lincoln, Nebraska. According to Google Maps, to travel from city to city, it takes about 45 minutes to drive, just so you get an idea. Throughout the next part of the case, we thought it would be interesting to go over the ping locations during the time of Sydney's disappearance. Okay, so the first destination of Bailey and Aubrey's phone pinged near a Best Western hotel, and after further investigation, police later get a hold of hotel records showing they got a room for the night. It was on the same day, later in the evening, Bailey and Sydney planned to meet up for their date, just the two of them. 
From what we told you earlier, they drove around, smoked marijuana, maybe just to get to know one another and make sure they're both good people, that kind of thing. And after this small first date, Bailey took her back home where they later planned to hang out the next night for a longer second date. From what Sydney's friends say, Sydney thought the date went really well and she couldn't wait to hang out for a second date, hoping the feeling was mutual. The next day was November 15th. Police find Bailey and Aubrey checking out of their hotel, driving, making numerous stops at various different places. This is where things start to get weird. From the hotel, they drove to a nearby Home Depot where surveillance footage and receipt evidence from the store show strange purchases, including a hacksaw, replacement blades, a knife, three packs of plastic drop cloths, tin snips, blades for a utility knife, and two sodas. I really couldn't picture anything else they would be doing with the collection of purchases. It's just very disturbing. Maybe the sodas were a distraction, but this is downright suspicious. They then tracked their location, driving around Sydney's home for whatever reason, and then their location traveled to Menard's, where Sydney worked. Once surveillance footage from Menard's was reviewed, sure enough, Aubrey was seen by himself in the store looking around, and you can clearly see him spotting Sydney with prying eyes. How creepy is that? And she didn't even know what this creep was up to, not to mention, she didn't even seem to notice him at all. After this final planned stop, police locate the couple traveling back to their apartment in Wilbur, waiting until Bailey meets with Sydney for their second date. A few hours pass, and Bailey can again be seen at a different store buying containers of bleach, trash bags, and large aluminum roasting pans. Why on earth would you be purchasing all of these cleaning supplies right before the date with the girl who lives 45 minutes away? Well, around 7 p.m. that evening, Bailey's cell phone location showed it was traveling back towards Sydney's apartment, only this time without Aubrey. Shortly after she arrived at Sydney's apartment, both of their phones were located traveling in the direction back to Bailey and Aubrey's house. I'm so curious to know what she told her. Did Sydney get any weird vibes about the situation at all? As soon as they arrived to the house, Sydney's phone stopped putting out a signal at around 8.08 p.m. Everything goes quiet. And then, on the next day, Bailey was seen on surveillance again at a different store making a second purchase of bleach, large garbage bags, and a purchase of a waste basket. As search crews were shoulder to shoulder throughout the police investigation, Sydney's remains were discovered on December 4th and 5th in Clay County, Nebraska. Thirteen parts of her dismembered body were stuffed in a number of garbage bags and scattered in ditches and along two different roads. When the autopsy was conducted on Sydney's remains, forensic evidence showed signs of strangulation. And during later interviews with police, Aubrey confessed to strangling Sydney with an extension cord. He told police that Bailey assisted in cleaning up the crime scene and also assisted in disposing of Sydney's body the night she was killed. This claim was used in court to support his defense that this was an accident during sexual activities. 
While in court, Aubrey ended up not showing up for two of the days. One of those days was because of a suicide attempt while in court. This incident can be found on YouTube, although you can't see anything happen, but his plan to kill himself did not pan out. Before doing this, Aubrey shouted, Bailey is innocent and I curse you all, while slicing the razor blade wrapped in a band-aid through the right side of his neck. After all of the evidence gathered by the police and the evidence found by investigators in court coming to an end, 12 jurors found Aubrey guilty of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder of 24-year-old Sidney Loof, who was murdered in November 2017. Justice has finally been served. This gruesome crime could have Aubrey facing the death penalty, and for Bailey, her trial is set for October of 2019, so be sure to look out for more details around this time. As always, you can find pictures of what we came across on our website at crimesaladpodcast.com and also on our Instagram at crimesaladpodcast. Join us on our Crime Salad Facebook discussion group and let us know what you think of this case. You can also post links to cases that you find interesting and share anything crime-related and meet other true crime salad lovers just like yourself. And feel free to bring a friend. Help support Crime Salad by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to follow us on Instagram and be sure to tell a friend about Crime Salad. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you again. Crime Salad is a true crime podcast delivering a healthy portion of crime. Crime Salad is a weird salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect. All the bloodlust, all the pain.